guys, it's me. I'm back again with part two to our Let's Talk Today, um, the 10 ingredients of making a great novel. Um, we ended the last part with immersive settings, so we're jumping right on in uh, with uh, number six, which is showing and telling. So I've been told more than once that, you know, through reviews on Inkit, um, that I need to show and not tell and honestly a lot of people might disagree with me but this is probably the worst advice I've ever been told um, and the, the reason why I say that is because we've heard the phrase show don't tell throughout our careers in school you know especially when it does come for writing you know from our English teachers and you know yes to an extent you you do want to show things to your reader instead of simply telling them things but when it comes to world building I've noticed that a lot of people kind of take a step back from the telling aspect because they're afraid of being told, show, don't tell. But world building, like when you are creating a world that is different from the one that we currently live in, you need to tell us that shit. Like, <laughs> like tell us like exactly why it's different, what it looks like, what is different about it, you know, and you know, does the differences affect the real world if this is like, you know, kind of a dimensional thing? Because, you know, in my experience, I have seen so many young authors neglect to tell their reader about the world they built in fear of someone saying, show, don't tell. So, you know, definitely don't be afraid of doing that. I mean, like everything else, there is a balance to things, but you definitely can tell things. When it comes to world building, it is so essential that you do. Because um, when it comes down to it, that there is no better option when it comes to showing versus telling. Each serve their own purpose, and you know the only advice I can really give to you guys is to really ask yourself, you know, is this you know information crucial to the story I'm telling? Does it bring anything important about my character or the world I built to light, and does it accentuate these things? If your answer is no, then it's not a question of is this showing or telling. It simply is just an irrelevant thing in your story that honestly just serves no purpose and you know in the words of uncle joey from full house cut it out just get rid of it like <laughs> you don't need it um another question to really ask yourself is you know are there enough active verbs now we've already briefly discussed adverbs and their purpose but when it comes to your showing and telling of description use verbs that carry descriptive power instead of saying like she stared bewilderly Instead, say she gaped. Um, and this example I actually took from another website, which I will also link down below in the description. Um, but, you know, that saying she gaped, it just packs more of a punch than bewilderly does. You know what I mean? Plus, for me personally, she gaped just flows a little bit better, mostly because I do struggle with pronunciations at times. So, Having a smaller word that means the same thing and just has more of an oomph pack to it is easier for me to read, and I'm sure it's easier for a lot of people to read. Um, moving on from that, we have number seven, which is developed in diverse characters. Um, and this one I think is extremely important, and yes, we've already discussed um, characters and character stereotypes in the previous segment, which I will link down below for those who wish to hear it. Um, but writing a book really does require a good understanding of characterization, you know, and it, it's something that it, it's just essential to the story because, you know, you could have 
all these great things going on around the world and around you know the settings and the plot but if you have a really crappy character you don't really have much of a story because people aren't going to want to read about somebody that's boring you know what i mean so to make your characters well developed and diverse you nearly need to really keep a few things in mind which one is giving your characters flaws you know i have discussed many 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 times on my channel about Mary Sue's and Gary Sue's and how no one is perfect and so there's really no need for your characters to be. Nobody wants to read about somebody who is perfect. It's just not something like, you know, you don't want to you don't want to read something and be reminded of your own faults because somebody else in a book seems to be better off than you are. You know what I mean? Like you want to read about characters that you relate to. Um, and if you don't have that, it kind of just it doesn't really draw a reader in. You know, there's a story that I read, Gone with the Wind, and I didn't like it because the main character, she was kind of spoiled and um, a bit egotistical and pretentious and just really didn't care about anybody but herself. And for those reasons, I actually didn't even finish the book. Like, I read, like, I think one chapter and I just didn't like her at all. And so I didn't continue reading it. And then, you know, that's actually a really well-known book. It's a well-known movie and a lot of people rave about it, but I personally just could not find it in me to move past her personality to actually get to the stuff in the book that actually is great um so it's just definitely something to keep in mind you know flaws are not always bad <laughs> i mean they're flaws for a reason um also create a backstory for your characters you know we as people have history and we have things that have defined who we are as people so don't ever be afraid to write out a brief backstory that you know defines your character even if it's never spoken about in the actual story, this can help serve as a guide to you, you know, the writer, and give you insight of the character's minds, emotions, and drive. And, you know, just something to look back on and be like, okay, does this, you know, match up with this action, like with their backstory, with who they are, with what got them to this point? And, you know, maybe their backstory comes back to haunt them in the story and changes something else about them. You know what I mean? So never be afraid of it, you know, maybe even like hint at it because you, you don't want to jam all of this backstory of your character either into the first chapter. You know, you want to tease your readers with it, give out, you know, small information in different ways that make sense and are appropriate because throwing out random information is just going to throw your reader off and they're going to be like, wait a minute, I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> and again, like we've kind of briefly discussed that before as well. Um, another thing is character development. You know, how do your characters change throughout the story? Do they grow to be better people or do they fall and become a worse person? How does this affect them in the story? Because you just, you have to remember every single thing that happens to your character, whether it's good or bad, um, it, it has a cause and effect that plays a huge role in your story. And you want to make sure that every single thing that does happen to your character is going to affect the story in a way that you intend it to and that's not confusing. Um, and you, you definitely want contrast characters, you know. Um, make sure that your characters each have their differences, you know, and be sure that these differences are interesting and they go beyond, beyond just physical attributes. But also do keep in mind that there are, like most things, cliches to this type of stuff, you know, with the polar opposites. You know, you got the girly girl and the goth girl, the nerd and the jock, and the tomboy and the prep. Those are typically a lot of, like, you'll see a lot of uh, opposites attract type of things with 
those specific stereotypes. Um, and, you know, unique attributes that maybe not all characters have. Which, you know, maybe, do they walk a certain way? Do they have, like, a limp? Do they have a cane? Do they kind of swagger more than saunter? <laughs> you know, is there a specific word that only they say? Like, if one of them is from Maine, do they say the word wicked a lot? You know, if one of them is from, you know, Florida, do they have, like, an accent of some sort? You know, is it an uncommon word that they're speaking? You know? Um, so you, you just have to give them those interesting characteristics that really kind of make them stand out. Um, number eight is effective dialogue. And this is probably one of my favorites um, because I've noticed that either when I'm reading one of the novels on Inkit, um, either there's too much dialogue or there's too little dialogue or there's too much detail or there's too little detail. Um, so this is definitely one of my favorites to discuss. Um, so effective dialogue is, you know, it's important because as well as having, as well as having, you know, memorable details, it's really important to have memorable dialogue. You may have noticed that the way we talk versus the way we have our characters speak, they are, they are vastly different. You know, my characters personally speak a lot more eloquently than I do. Uh, we as people often repeat ourselves. We say things such as like or um in our sentences. I'm very guilty of that. And, you know, writing a book, it kind of demands us to create interesting dialogue. You know, everything that our characters say, it is always spoken for some greater purpose. And, you know, just a few things to keep in mind when it comes to that is, you know, one, that dialogue tells the reader something about the character and their relationships. You know, your dialogue, the way that they say things, you know, if they're Southern, they may say y'all or yeah a lot. You know, it gives off their relationships and it gives out their personalities and a little bit of their background you know if someone says y'all and you know stuff like that they're probably southern they're probably from the south you know and it also adds the tension and the conflict of these characters you know um if you have two characters that really don't like each other or it's a good versus evil type of thing the dialogue is gonna be really important and it's gonna really express the emotions these two people feel towards each other um, and just the emotions they feel in general towards the situation. Um, this is like really crucial to a good versus bad type of relationship because there's so many different emotions that go with that. Um, number three is that it does flirt. It, I cannot speak. I'm sorry. It does further the plot piece by piece so the reader can eventually see the bigger picture. Um, and it also helps, most importantly, to convey emotions, uh, suspicions, and it adds depth and dimension to a story. So, you know, just keep in mind that, you know, these things are very important to dialogue. And this doesn't mean that you can't have meaningless dialogue that's kind of a filler. Because you absolutely can, but you just want to make sure that when you are putting in that filling dialogue that's just kind of there... Make sure that this dialogue in some way showcases your character's personalities. You know, like kind of just gives them that extra little step up to their personality that, you know, maybe we don't get any any other time. Um, also, just keep in mind that there are combinations you can add to your dialogue. You know, many people, including myself, use their hands when they talk or may point or gesture to things. Um, now, all of this doesn't mean that you have to always have them pointing or, you know, talking with their hands or throwing things or, you know, whatever. But just make sure, like, 
it kind of goes with earlier when I said that, you know, the way that your characters react to things are going to matter. The way your characters react with dialogue as well is going to matter. You know, if your character's really upset and she's throwing shit, like, <laughs> you know, that's her doing something with the dialogue and that's adding to the tension that's already there through the dialogue, if that makes any sense. Um, our ninth one is strong internal story logic. Um, one of the most common mistakes when writing a story is it making absolutely no sense. And I've had many stories that I've read that I've started it and I've been like, wait a second. <laughs> you know, like something here is not adding up. And this can happen through, you know, many things. One of the most commons is contradiction or uh, it can be misinformation or just not sticking to a specific time period. And the time period stuff can happen very, very easily. You know, this can occur through dialogue. You know, if you're going to write a book that's especially more past, because future you can kind of just do whatever you want with that because we don't know what the future has for us. But when it comes to past stories, like stories that are in the medieval times, the Victorian times, you know, BC or anything like that, you really want to make sure through your dialogue as well as your setting and your plot that they are speaking in a way fits that time period because they're speaking more modern but this is supposed to be in the medieval times for me personally that is a deal breaker i will not understand why they're speaking so modernly i guess is the word i'm going to use when they don't belong in that kind of time period this also happens with like placing objects that are you know present items in the past you know this actually happened in a story i read recently you know, it was a story set in 500 BC, and the guys made a comparison, made a metaphor regarding how these people were cooked in this, uh, they were just burned alive in a carriage like one would an oven. But ovens weren't really a thing in 500 BC. They were still kind of cooking things over uh, campfires. And so, you just gotta really do your research. Like that's the most important information, like important advice I can give you is just making sure that you're doing your research on everything that you put into your story, because you know one of those things can easily pull your readers out of the story, um, and possibly make it so they don't want to read it anymore. No one wants to read a story that doesn't have the knowledge it needs to back it up. Um, so. My biggest advice is do your research, whether it's the languages, the type of houses they live in, weaponry, transportation, slang, etc. Just do your research. I know it's tedious. I know it sucks, but it's going to help you in the long run and it's going to make your story that much better. You know, the second thing is always ask yourself why you're creating the scene and does it make sense when you put it next to the story arc? You know, like when you place two things together, if that doesn't make sense, if there's a plot hole somewhere and you can't find a way to make it work, it shouldn't go there. It should just be completely wiped out. And that sucks. I know it sucks because like sometimes we have these really amazing ideas, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And there are going to be people who point out that it doesn't work. Um, and thirdly, you know, just make sure your character's personality makes sense with their actions. If you have a character that is shy, demure, and a pacifist, then it's highly unlikely they would be the kind of person to beat somebody up just for fun. So you want to really make sure that these, you know, obviously this is a very obvious example of why this person want to beat somebody up, but you, 
you know, even with the most delicate stuff, like, you just want to really make sure that it's going to make sense to the character's personality and their backstory. Um, and most importantly, when it comes to backstories, make sure that your backstories and your personalities that you create are consistent and comprehensible. If there's any bit of confusion, it's going to throw the reader off and create doubt of the rest of the story and the possibilities for inconsistencies, which again, will put, will, you know, pull a reader out of the story and make them possibly consider not continue reading it. And the goal of being an author is to have people read it. Um, and the 10th one is a satisfying conclusion. So having a good ending is really vital to creating a great novel. Now, this doesn't mean to always give your readers the ending they crave, because Lord knows, I read some books that I really wanted something to happen, and it just didn't end the way that I wanted it to. It didn't mean that it was a bad ending, it just meant that I was just disappointed with the ending, but it, I, I could accept it. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys know the feeling when it comes to TV shows and your own book stories that you've, book stories, your own books that you've read and experienced. Um, you know, you can have a book end in a way that your readers may not have wanted, but still have it be well-written and a good ending for the story. All in all, you just have to make sure your story all comes in full circle. You know, this is excluding series a little bit because, you know, with series, you obviously are not going to have everything come full circle. But when it comes to a series, make sure you're using really good cliffhangers to create excitement and build up for your next story. You know, you want to leave us on edge and leave us amped up and like really excited and be like, whoa, wait, what do you mean? You know, kind of just like leave us on edge and make us look forward to that second publication to your series. Um, and also with stories in general, you just want to really make sure that you've answered the questions that you've created in your own story. Because if you're leaving things in the air and it's not a series, then it's kind of just like, well, now what? <laughs> you know? So just make sure you're, you know, answering your questions, resolving important tensions that you've built up throughout the course of the story, and, you know, just really, really just making sure that everything makes sense in the end, and that you have the ending that you wanted. Um, the last thing, this is not technically um, a part of the 10 ingredients of this would make it 11, but I do think it's important to discuss, and I have discussed it before. Um, but that's originality, you know, and the best way to be original is simply to avoid common cliches, you know, make, and if you do decide to use a cliche, you know, like I always say, make it your own some way, you know, give, you know, borrowed characters and plots twists, you know, and put your own personal background history and points of reference to make the story unique because nobody is going to have the same exact experiences as you. No one's going to have the same history that you have. So when you can put yourself in your story and your experiences, you're already on your way of creating something that's original. Um, so just really kind of stick to your guns, stick to what you know. And if you don't know it, research it. You know, that's the best thing <laughs> I can say. And, you know, I know research sucks. Trust me, this whole segment was nothing but research. And it was a lot. <laughs> but... I feel more confident in the end explaining this all to you guys now that I have done my research and that's the goal of doing the research for your stories is you knowing 
full well with confidence that you're going to deliver something that you know about this stuff now. You know this information like the back of your hand because you spent three hours researching every single bit and finding examples and honing that skill, you know. Um, But that is all the time I have for today, guys. Um, I really hope you guys enjoyed these two segments. um, And I would love to know your thoughts down below in the comments and you know next week on Saturday we are doing um, writing styles where I was discussing different ways different writing styles you know different ways to try to find your own and you know just kind of just chit chat with you guys about that kind of stuff I have a lot of stuff planned and I'm super excited about this segment um, and I hope you guys are too and I hope to still see you guys around. Um, I'm now on Twitter, so don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram under the Ink It Podcaster. I'm here for you guys Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And I am always free to talk and chit-chat on Ink It, email, and the like. So you guys take care and stay lovely, and I will see you next time. Bye!